Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,221. Be prepared to be inspired. Today, we're talking about the 70th anniversary of the Corvette. Buckle up. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Huntington, New York. Now, I've been here before with a very special guest by the name of Richard Prince. Richard, welcome back to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Mark. I am ready. Well, you know, it's been five years since you were on the show. A lot has happened. The world has certainly changed quite a bit in many, many ways. But I'd love to start by asking you this. What's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about Richard Prince? Oh, gosh. I don't really hold too many secrets. (laughs) Um, uh, Well, you know, social media being what it is and uh, also um, my approach to life being what it is, I I try to uh, live live a life that doesn't require secrets. It makes it much easier. Uh, <laughs> but I'll think of something. Let's see. Uh, well, how about this? Most people who are into cars and uh, familiar with my work associate me with General Motors and particularly Cadillac and Chevrolet, which is understandable because that is where the bulk of my work has been. And it's been very consistent for well over 20 years. A lot of people are surprised to learn that I've worked for most of the major car companies at one point or another. And some of it's been one-off projects one-time photo shoots, and others have been uh, more involved and and longer-lasting, and uh, that includes names familiar to my American brothers and sisters, like uh, Ford and Chrysler, but as well some lesser-known, less common makes like Peugeot, Aston Martin, I did quite a bit for Ferrari over a period of years. So there's a tidbit that's maybe not that well-known about me. Well, it's a nice segue into what we're going to be talking about. And this is a magnificent new book that you put together. So allow me to give you a proper introduction and we'll dive into this world. Richard Prince is an automotive photographer, journalist, and author who's been shooting since 1991. Involved in the car hobby since his childhood, he founded a vintage car restoration business after completing graduate school back in 1988 and operated that business until he sold it in 1995. He began writing and providing photography to various car magazines and accumulated a wide range of experience photographing vehicles, motorsports, events, facilities, and people for many of the world's major automobile manufacturers and a very diverse array of other companies, including, and he's mentioned some here, Aston Martin, Audi, Bentley, Cadillac, Ferrari, Jaguar, Mercedes-Benz, and many others, Chevrolet included. He has published four books and authored and illustrated approximately 2,000 plus magazine articles. And today he's here to share his newest book, which is titled Corvette 70 Years, the one and only published by our friends at Motorbooks. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. So give them a little listen. They keep the petrol in the tanks, and we'll be right back. 
Do you live where the climate is a great challenge? I do. Up here in the Pacific Northwest, it rains a lot during the winter and even into the spring. And that's why I love Covercraft's newest five-layer all-climate cover. It was specially developed and engineered for anything that Mother Nature can throw your way. It's soft, it's breathable, and easy to store. And it pampers your paint plus your interior surfaces from maximum UV, rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their gust guards if you live in a windy area for extra protection to keep your cover secure. Your five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's specific attention to detail, form, and fit. The quality and attention has been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and your watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover, whether stored indoor or out. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, while I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled are stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Fall is here and you know what that means. Time to put a good coat of protection on your vehicle. I'm teamed up with AutoGeek and they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started back in 1997 as a small mail order catalog company grew into a multi-website based e-commerce store and that's what they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries, and its retail sector ships worldwide. If you want to protect your vehicle this fall, and you should, go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and technical support. AutoGeek.net is where I go for my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. So, Richard, uh, I want to dive into this book because for you listeners that missed my talk with Richard back in 2017, you can go back and find his show on your mobile podcast apps or on the Cars yeah website where we talked a lot more about his career and how he got to where he's gotten today. But today I want to focus on Corvettes because this is a car that is incredibly influential and iconic in American automotive history. And this book that you've created with our friends at Motorbooks, I'll tell you listeners, this thing must weigh five pounds. It's 255 pages. It's a large horizontal format, and it is incredible. So let's start with 
how the project came to be. Where did this all begin? Well, as I think you know, Motorbooks is the largest publisher of transportation titles in the whole world. So they are uh, prolific publishers of car books, and they've done quite a few anniversary books celebrating milestone points in different car companies' history, 60 years, 50 years, 75 years. So when the 70th anniversary of Corvette was approaching, it was a natural for them to um, do a 70th anniversary Corvette book. So the idea originated with Motorbooks as part of their ongoing anniversary uh, editions. And uh, they, as is their habit, they went to Chevrolet and obtained a license so that it would be an authorized book and then listed Chevrolet's help because um, obviously a book covering the entire history of Corvette has to go back to the beginning. And um, I'm happy to say I'm not old enough to have been there in <laughs> the beginning. So it required a great deal of photography that goes back to the very beginning, and, and that required access to the GM Media Archive. So after they obtained the license from Chevrolet and the um, access to the GM Media Archive, they came to me and said, we'd like you to write this book. And that's how it happened. Well, it's pretty amazing. So obviously 1953 is really the beginning for the Corvette. Do I have my year right? Well, that is the first model year, 1953, of course, work on the car began in 1952, the design and engineering work, and the real beginnings actually date to 1951, which is the year that Harley Earl conceived of the idea that GM should build a two-seater, a little sports car. Yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. And, you know, it's one of those vehicles that has really stood the test of time through all the different variations, but there's not too many cars, when you go back and think about it, that have been around this long and have made such an impression on so many people really around the world, but it's one of those iconic brands. So when you went through this book, and maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the different chapters, because there's, how many chapters are in this thing? 30. 30, yeah, 30 chapters. So, I mean, it's it goes really in depth, and there's a lot of great photos back from the archive. So you got to go in and learn about the beginning. So let's kind of go through maybe the first 10 years, if we can, kind of the beginnings and maybe pull out some of the things that you learned that kind of made your eyebrows go up and say, what? I didn't know that. <laughs> well, let me say up front that my decision to write the book, to agree to do the book, was predicated, number one, on a desire to do it. And um, people often ask me, what motivates you? You know, writing a book can be a lonely endeavor, and uh, there's no pat on the back at the end of each day. You spend a lot of hours and a lot of days and months, and in some cases, years, putting the hard work in without seeing any reward or any light at the end of the tunnel. And my best advice to aspiring authors, anybody considering doing a book, is write about something that you're passionate about mm -hmm. and do it because you want to do it, not because somebody is forcing you, not because you think there's going to be a, a big financial reward at the end, not because you want to see your name in lights and you think it's going to be a stepping stone. Do it because the actual undertaking will bring you happiness. And, and that's why I agreed to do this book. I wanted to write it. And right up front, I made a couple of commitments to myself as, as part of that decision. And one of the commitments was to the extent feasible, to separate fact from fiction. There are a few things related to Corvettes in the early days that remained a question mark. There were several different versions of uh, how something happened, and there were some other 
other issues surrounding Corvette's early history that were a little cloudy. And obviously, as time marches on, more and more of the uh, people directly involved with it are not here anymore. So it becomes even more challenging. But that was that was one of the goals. So was to ferret out the truth in, in the early history. So you asked me about the early years, and uh, I'll give you one example of that. What led to the the idea to create a sports car? Uh, it's well known that Harley Earl, who was the uh, leader of GM design and really the the dean of design in the automotive industry, he was the father of the whole concept of an in-house design uh, section for an automotive manufacturer prior to GM's establishment of an in-house design department. There was no such thing at the car companies. Uh, those who wanted design work done went to outside coach builders and outside design firms uh, in the early days of the, the automobile industry. So Harley Oil originated the whole concept and a lot of the, the processes that he invented for designing cars are actually still in use today in spite of the development of sophisticated computer tools. And it was Harley Oil's idea that is indisputable, but what motivated him was not as certain. Uh, there were two stories that floated around for a long, long time. One was that he went to a sports car race and saw the enthusiasm of the crowd, and that's what put the idea in his head. And the other prevailing story was that his sons, when they got to driving age, got interested in racing, and uh, one or uh, two of them were going to go racing with a Ferrari in the early 50s, and that the head of design for GM uh, said, that's not going to fly. That That's not a look <laughs> that I, I will approve of. And and that inspired him to get GM on the track to building its own sports car. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, I, I always wondered which one of those or whether either of those was, was actually um, the truth. And miraculously, I found a definitive answer to that question as part of the research for this book. There was a an automotive journalist in Detroit who interviewed Harley Earl in 1954. And an audio tape of that interview survived. Oh, wow. Uh, it was an hour-long interview, and near the end of the interview, Harley Earl explains that he brought the LeSabre Dream Car, which was a functional one-off design study that GM did and that Harley Earl drove around. <laughs> he brought the LeSabre to the sports car race at Watkins Glen in 1951. And that was prior to the building of Watkins Glen International Speedway. That was when the race was still held on the public roads okay. in and around the village of Watkins Glen. Yeah, road racing, uh, post-war road racing was reborn in this country in Watkins Glen. When Harley Earl brought his car there, he led the uh, first pace lap at the beginning of the race and could not believe the size of the crowd, the enthusiasm of the crowd, and was particularly struck with the um, age of the crowd. There were loads and loads and loads of young people lining the street from the beginning uh, to the end of the race course, and he thought this is an incredible opportunity to tap into a market that really is the future of the company. It's the young people, right? So that is where he got the idea to build a, uh, a two-seat sports car. Thus is born a race on Sunday, sell on Monday. The whole concept. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah it's quite prophetic that the, the whole concept for what became Corvette was, in fact, 
born at a racetrack. Yeah, well, it kind of makes sense. And, you know, the Chevrolet Corvette, it, arguably, whether you like them or not, it's it's been one of the most influential and iconic American sports cars uh, in history. What is it about the Corvette, Mark, that has inspired you? Well, my love affair with the car began with its styling. Uh, as a child, uh, my first recollection of seeing a Corvette was um, seeing a photo of a 1967 model in a magazine and uh, I don't recall prior to that seeing one on the road and I saw that picture and thought that is it <laughs> that is the most beautiful car I have ever seen and I need to figure out how to start making money and saving money so when I get my driver's license I can buy one of these things so it began with the styling and then over time of course my attraction to the to the nameplate expanded. Um, I appreciate the styling still. I think they're gorgeous. Uh, the engineering, the performance, the overall value. Uh, I can name cars. We can all name cars that do this better or do that better. But this has been consistent with Corvette since its beginning, and it's certainly true today. I would defy anybody to name another production car that does everything collectively as well as Corvette does in terms of performance, comfort, safety, efficiency, durability, at a price that an average working person can afford. See, I was gonna, I was, God, I was gonna jump in and go Porsche 911, and then you said the price word, and that blew it well, all. Oh yeah, the average middle class person who works for a living, uh, they can stretch and they can buy a car for seventy or eighty or ninety thousand dollars. It's a stretch for a lot of people. I, I acknowledge that. But they save their money, they can do it. The average working person, a middle class person uh, who has to pay to put a roof over their head and, and maybe has a, a child or two and a, and a dog or two and uh, the normal bills and expenses that we all have um, to go out and buy a two hundred, two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand dollar car. Yeah, it's just probably not, not going to happen. No, no, no. It's not realistic. Yeah, not going to happen. You know, when my when I was is the mid sixties when the Stingray came out, my dad bought a forty nine MGTC, and we went over to pick it up, and the guy who was selling it had a brand new Stingray sitting there, and I was quite little, and I I remember going, "What is that?" And <laughs> you know, and how that you know that, those first impressions when you're a child, or really. A child, a childish adult, let's say the same. I mean, you run into a Pagani Huera or some kind of just insane <laughs> car and you go, whoa, what is that? It, it makes an impression on you. But going into those General Motors archives must have been an outstanding experience. Had you been in there before? I had not. I, over time, over the years, um, have utilized material from the archive, but it was always with a phone call. So. Mm or an email in the more recent years. Um, I needed uh, images of this or that to illustrate an article that I was working on, and the archive was always there to help me, but I had never gone there and done first-person research until now, and that was an unbelievable experience. And Mark, I have to tell you, it took an incredible amount of self-discipline to stay focused yes. on the task at hand. I can't even, you know, I got to visit the Ferrari archives at in, in Italy, and uh, we were there for three days, part of the Ferrari Clienti program, which is part of their F1 racing program. And uh, we went back in and we're looking through books and, and opening books and seeing Nicky Lauda's signature and people that race for Ferrari. And, and yeah, you get consumed 
oh, wait, what do you have on this? Can I look at that? Oh, how about original drawings of the GTO? And yeah, staying focused must have been a big challenge for you, no doubt. Yes, and um, I have also had the, the privilege of looking at other automobile company archives. And I will say this about GM. For uh, The company was founded in 1916 and for many years was the largest car company in the world, the largest industrial concern in the world. And they made a lot of things uh, besides cars and trucks. They made appliances and munitions and aircraft and air conditioners and so on and so on and so on. So you take the 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 age of the company and the breadth of the company and the archive is just immense. Um, it's unknown exactly how many individual items are there, but it's thought to be somewhere around 16 million. So anybody interested, as I am, in first of all in General Motors and in the in the car world, but also I'm a I'm a history buff. So a hundred lifetimes would not be enough to really. Make a dent in, yeah, and, and it's just absolutely fascinating. I think I spent altogether about 27 days there. Wow. And again, I had to keep reminding myself to stay focused on, on the task at hand. It was very, very easy to go off on a tangent. <laughs> a kid in a very big candy store. <laughs> yes, wow. absolutely. That's wonderful. We'll take a short break. We come back. I want to talk about some of the challenges that this book brought forward. And we'll have some uh, fun questions about the Corvette for you. So sit tight. Keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars, yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or Type in Renew 12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine. And I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, (laughs) even more special. So go to linkagemag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. TechForce is a charity of choice here at Cars Yeah. Auto techs are in high demand, but the supply, it's critically short. For every one tech who graduates school, there's five jobs waiting for them. Said another way, four technician jobs go unfilled for every technician graduate. Lots of young people love cars, but don't know how to turn that passion into their careers. TechForce Foundation shows them through career exploration, technical education, and the workforce development solutions. Join Cars yeah in supporting TechForce Foundation and its mission to solve the technician shortage by donating at techforce.org today. So let's talk about challenges. So what were some of the challenges you encountered in putting this book together? Well, uh, one of the interesting aspects that presented challenges was um, 
of course, it's a, it's a book that spans the entire 70 years of the car's history, um, ferreting out detailed information from the very early days was especially challenging because virtually all of the uh, direct players, the people who were there and who were part of it, are not with us anymore. So it was it was difficult to try to get deeper than just the surface. I didn't want to just repeat things that have been repeated for decades if I didn't uh, know for sure that they were accurate. So um, getting a little deeper and getting to the truth with the very early history was quite difficult. And interestingly, I can say the same thing about the most recent history. Car companies are, of course, uh, protective of their technology, their intellectual property, and they don't want to speak about uh, future products for sure, but even the current product, it, it can be difficult to get detailed information about the newest, the latest, the greatest, uh, which of course is the C8 Corvette. Um, even the C7, it was a challenge to get a little deeper than usual and, and be able to present new information and more detailed information. Uh, everything in the middle is sort of the sweet spot because a lot of the uh, the first-hand um, accounts are still available. The people who designed them, engineered them, tested them, raced them, marketed them, many of them are still around. Some of them are retired. But when it comes to 15, 20, 25, 30, 40-year-old cars, there aren't really any secrets left. Um, that, that need to be protected. So it was it was much easier to get information about the C5, C4, C3s, the C6s, but the uh, the very early and the very late were a challenge. Well, the uh, new car is quite revolutionary. And if I may, could I be so bold to say that it's the most revolutionary Corvette to come out? Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you certainly may be that bold, Mark. It okay. is... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is by far the most revolutionary, the, the biggest change from what came before. Some, At some points, when they went from one generation to the next, it was more evolutionary than revolutionary. Uh, at times, the changes were bigger. But in, in each case, for C1 through C7, the new generation was predicated on the old one to one extent or another. There were usually a fair amount of parts that would interchange. And the basic architecture, the design philosophy, the platform layout continued. Obviously, C1 through C7, they were front-engine, two-passenger, two-door cars. And the placement of the engine in the front dictated where everything else went to some extent. Uh, they moved transmission to the back before C8, of course. They went to a transaxle, and that was a pretty major shift, but by putting the engine behind the cockpit with the C8, it changed absolutely everything yeah. about well, the car, so yes. And the look, uh, it's just, uh, I mean, it's like, wow, that's a Corvette? Holy cow. I mean, really, really special. As you think about your exercise and your work of going through creating this book, I assume you went into it with some ideas of what your favorite Corvette model was or were, but there may be a few. But after you've finished the book now and you've learned a lot more about the brand, is there a special Corvette, one model, that stands out for you? Well, that didn't change. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, the car that hooked me 
uh, made me fall in love with uh, Chevrolet's sports car was the 1967, that photo that I saw. And it's that generation, the 1963 to 67, that uh, always has been and still remains my all-around favorite. There's a lot of emotion tied up in that. I've owned at least one of those cars since, oh boy, well over 40 years, for about 44 years. My wife and I currently own three of them, and we've had them a long time. Uh, one of them we bought on our honeymoon. Uh, my wife and I met in high school. We went to my high school prom in a 1966 convertible. Oh, wow. Every generation that came after that was an improvement and and offered something or a lot of things that the earlier cars couldn't do. I have an emotional attachment to them. I think the styling is unmatched. And uh, though the technology is obviously far outdated by now, they're still very usable cars. They're cars you can get in and, and drive anywhere in comfort. So yeah, the C2 always has been and remains my favorite. Uh, after that, um, I love the C8 and I especially like the C7s as well. I think the styling of the C7s uh, is is gorgeous. And as far as a front engine GT car is concerned, you have that certain look, the, the long nose and, and the cockpit behind there. I think the C7 is the epitome of, of that in a modern car. Uh, they went to a little more edgy styling, sharper crease lines, and uh, sharper body brakes than they did with the C6 and the C5, and I think they really nailed it with the C7 and the C8. It's a supercar for the for the ordinary guy and gal. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mentioned the the first one I saw was uh, as a '63 uh, uh, silver. It was I remember it being silver, and as I said, I was five years old. My Dad bought a 49 MGTC from this guy, and this car was sitting in his driveway, and it was just, I looked at it, and being five years old, I didn't know that much about cars, but I know what I liked. <laughs> and it just looked yeah. like a spaceship or something, you know, I'm like, what? And I remember he let me crawl in the back and looking up through in the split window and everything about it. And as you look at that car as it has aged over time, my impression is it's looking with with time more and more like than I ever thought of it before. And I, this is a strange thought, but as a, a cool old European 50 sports car, even though it was made in the 60s, it just has that feel and it, it's it's aged really well, whereas some cars don't age so well. I concur. Um, it uh, improved with time. And um, uh, again, as I said, you, you start with the basic architecture of a, of a two-seater, two-door car with an engine in the front. And so car is built around a human being, so the cockpit is a certain size to accommodate the, the size and the shape of a human being, and the engine's in a certain place, and so the cars all will have a similar look, and uh, GT sports cars from that era, from the 50s and the 60s, all have a same, they're all, they're all within a certain range. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are great differences from one to the next. The, the Corvette, for me, the 63 through 67 design bridged the gap between the simpler, cleaner, sort of European styling that we can see from that era coming out of uh, Italy, England, the the uh, 250 Ferrari, the E-Type Jaguar. It bridged the gap from that sort of cleaner look to the more ostentatious, bolder, 
more aggressive American styling that we really saw come to fruition in the 1950s with outlandish fins and the strong influence of aviation and the aerospace uh, world in the cars with rocket-themed taillights and uh, loads and loads of chrome and polished stainless. 63 Corvette took kind of that traditional sports car design that was more prevalent in Europe and gave it an edginess and a boldness and an aggressiveness that was really distinctly American. And there's nothing else like it. I, I look at other cars that are just stunning, gorgeous, uh, 275 GTB Ferrari, uh, the, as I mentioned, the E-Type Jaguar, uh, uh, DB Aston Martins, DB4, DB5. They're, they're stunning. They're all gorgeous cars, but to me, the Corvette is it. <laughs> yeah. I, I just simply love that, love that styling. And uh, as you said, it's timeless. In, in many ways, it's actually improving with age. It's, it's enhancing with age, I think. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to get, get out my car psychologist uh, diploma here and uh, twist a question I ask a lot of people up a bit. As you've studied now Corvette in depth with this new book, if you were to be reincarnated, manifest as a Corvette, now this isn't the Corvette you want to be because I'm assuming you want to be the Corvette you love. This is more about your idiosyncrasies as a guy as it manifests into a Corvette. Which one would you be? <laughs> oh, that's a dangerous question. Uh, we're going deep now. Yeah, well, I would say, I'd have to say... uh Skew toward a, a later a later generation um, because, uh, as my wife will attest to, I, I tend to be a sort of a deep thinker. Okay. Um, whatever the question is, whatever the problem is, uh, whatever the issue is, I like to really analyze it and conceive of every possible angle of approach and every possible solution. So I would say, in that sense, I'm uh, more like a, a a computer-laden car, so okay. maybe a, maybe a C8 where, so, yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much going on there. Yeah, so maybe from a functional standpoint, I would say a later one, uh, a late model Corvette, a new Corvette, but um, from an aesthetic standpoint, definitely an older one. <laughs> well, we're all aging as well as we can, so uh, uh, you're doing a good job there, Richard, but nice nice way to, to answer what can be conceived as a bit of a complex question sometimes for people. Well, we always talk about great books here, and this book titled Corvette 70 Years, the one and only uh, by our guest today, Richard Prince, is a book you should get in your library, especially if you love GM products and Corvettes, or if you have a friend that loves Corvettes, it's a way to do it. And I typically put links to where you can find these books. Now, this book's the first printing sold out so fast that there's not a lot of books left, but you know, a little scoop here. Richard has a few books left at his home and he will autograph them for you. Uh, and I'll put a link to how you can connect with him at the end of the show and on his show notes page. I think uh, you told me you only have maybe 25, 30 books. So uh, if you want one signed by the author, this is going to be a unique chance. Otherwise, you may have to wait uh, a little bit to find one. I know Amazon has a few left, uh, but if they get sold out quickly, uh, you may have to wait till January when they do the second printing. But congratulations on uh, on the first printing coming through so well, Richard. That's awesome. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good problem to have. I do I do feel bad because there will be people who uh, want to buy the book um, as the holidays roll around as as a gift, uh, either for themselves or or somebody they care about. And so there will surely be some people who are disappointed, and and that's uh, 
a little bit uh, sad for me. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a good it's a good problem to have. Well, I think yeah. they expected the first printing to last well into uh, next year, toward the end of next year at least, if not into the following year. And um, wrong. <laughs> I think the, yeah, the publisher uh, sold every one of them in a, I think about two and a half weeks. Well, that's cool. Well, you know, I tell listeners, if, if you can't get your hands on one, but the first thing to do is reach out to Richard. And again, I'll put a link there to how to get a hold of him. But if, if he sells out what he's got left, uh, you could always uh, go online and just take a picture, put it in a card and say, I really want to get you this. It's coming in January and uh, sit tight. And I'm sure people will be happy to wait because this is, I mean, this book's going to fulfill a bunch of of your time because it's huge. Lots of pages, lots of fun stuff, lots of in-depth work here and a great resource too if you love to go back and resource things. So you need to get your hands on a copy. So today I'm going to be your enabler, Richard. I'm going to put you in the seat of any Corvette. I'm going to park it in your driveway. You could take it under drive and you could take anybody in the world with you, even somebody who's passed, which opens up, well, Harley Earl. Maybe you want to go for a ride with him. So which Corvette, am I going to park in your driveway? And who are you going to be with? And where are you going to be driving? Well, you need to put a C8 Z06 in my driveway, Mark. Okay. Okay. Happy to do that. And in keeping with the uh, Corvette theme of our discussion, I think it's very appropriate that Zura Arcus Dunpop uh-huh. is in the passenger seat with me. Yeah. yeah. As um, Corvette enthusiasts know, and even beyond Hardcore Corvette enthusiasts, a lot of uh, car people know who Zora Duntov is. He's considered the godfather of Corvette. As I said, Harley Earl's the father of the car. He he conceived it, and, and he got it going. Um, Zora came to Chevrolet a little bit after the car was already in production. Uh, though he, he did see the car, he got exposed to it at its public unveiling at the Waldorf Astoria during the 1953 Motorama, and he thought it was the most beautiful car he'd ever seen, and that inspired him to want to go to work for Chevrolet and to work on Corvette, and in fact, he did. He ultimately became the car's first chief engineer, and he was a performance enthusiast, uh, an avid racer who enjoyed success, including class wins at Le Mans, and he was a passionate advocate for putting the engine behind the the uh, driver in Corvette and worked tirelessly, fought an uphill battle, and unfortunately, um, it wasn't until technology allowed for that to happen in a a true production car at an affordable price, Um, and and of course, that was now, and so Zora uh, fought passionately, and he fought bitterly at times to get that done, and, and unfortunately, didn't Live to see it, so I, I'd, uh, I'd invite him to ride shotgun with me in the um, what is, by any measure, the best performing, best all-around Corvette ever made, the, the new Z06. Yeah, that put a big smile on his face. Uh, we lost him back in '96, so uh, he lived a pretty long life. But uh, yeah, uh, he would be smiling ear to ear as you mashed the throttle. You've taken us on a fun ride today, Richard, and I'm so happy that you put this book together and I could share it with our listeners. Again, I'll put links to how people can get a hold of it. And can they go to your website if they want to grab one of these last few signed ones? Is is that still rprincephotos.com? Uh, my website is rprincephoto.com, and they can go there. There's no uh, 
direct link to purchase a book through the website, but if you go to the contact info on my website, you'll see my phone number, my email address, and, and that's the best way to do it. Either shoot me an email or call me. All right. I'll put links to all of those on your show notes page. Richard, can you leave us with maybe some words of inspiration, a quote, or some thoughts about putting this incredible book together, The History of Corvette, 70 Years? Yes. I would like to uh, say a heartfelt, genuine, immense thank you uh, to the Corvette Nation, the people uh, here in the U.S. and all around the world who are passionate about Corvette, and that includes um, the people in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and in uh, Michigan, who engineer it, design it, uh, assemble it, market it, and the leadership at General Motors, who enthusiastically supports it and um, keeps it going. And, uh, of course, beyond that, the people who buy the cars, support the racing of the cars, restore them, and absolutely love them all around the world. I've had the privilege of traveling all around the world, mostly as a result of my racing-related work. And everywhere I go, all throughout Europe, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Asia, I was in Japan this year, um, China, the Middle East, people are united by their love for this car. It's just amazing the passion that it engenders, and this book was produced for them, and I cannot say in strong enough terms how much I appreciate um, the love and the support that the people who uh, are passionate about this car um, shower on it and on each other, and without them, without that passion, the car wouldn't exist. It's just that simple, and it's a huge part of my life. It's a huge part of a lot of people's lives, um, whether it's their profession or their their hobby, their passion. It's all because of the Corvette Nation, the people around the world who love this car. So thank you to all of you. Absolutely. Now, before I let you go... Do you think we'll be talking again in the years ahead about a new book you write about the electric Corvette? <laughs> well, it's still, uh, it's still a few years off, but um, uh, as far as electrification goes, it's no secret. GM has uh, publicly stated, made clear their plans to electrify everything at some point in the future. Uh, some cars are going to, and SUVs, some vehicles are going to, um, kind of bridge the gap with the hybrid versions, and some will be all electric uh, very quickly. Um, but uh, we're just, uh, this is the 70th anniversary book. We're just a few years away now from the 75th anniversary <laughs> book. Know. And wow. uh, who knows, that that uh, may be my next project. Um, and at some point, I am going to do a, uh, a very, very comprehensive Corvette racing. Uh, I don't say a book anymore because now, the, the racing is so pervasive and it's been going on for so many years that one book is not enough. So I'm going to, at some point, do a multi-volume Corvette racing uh, yeah. set. Yeah, you'll have to do like uh, my guest uh, Sean Cridlin did for Brumos, a big multi-book, three giant book collection <laughs> for yeah. Corvette racing, right? Yep. And Sean did a really, really beautiful job with that. Um, I just got a, a three-volume set on the Porsche 962 which was a super, super successful Porsche prototype race car. And a friend of mine named Serge Van Bokrick, um 
really devoted. It's a, it's astounding, uh, almost uh, 40 years researching, gathering information, and writing, and it's a monumental achievement, just like Sean's book, a set to uh, create these multi-volume, really, really in-depth, beautifully illustrated uh, book sets. So, yes, that is where I'm I'm headed at some point in the future with the uh, with the Corvette racing. Very good. Well, I appreciate it. We've had fun today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Keep up the great work. I will. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.